You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. Baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me this week, as always, is my co-host Josh Schaefer. I'm your host, Blake Harris. Josh, uh, again. This isn't a nightmare. Uh, we're having to move on without Dodgers baseball in our life. But I guess if there's any silver lining, it's that uh, the team that knocked the Dodgers out of the playoffs will not be playing for a World Series championship. Instead, it's going to be the Philadelphia Phillies taking on the Houston Astros. We're going to be talking about who, are, who we're going to be rooting for, all that kind of fun stuff. But it's been a while since our last episode, nearly a week. So how are things going over there in beautiful Pasadena? Well, it's funny, Blake, because the last time we did a show... Um, in, in, in the short period of time between our last show and now the Padres aren't playing baseball anymore. Um, and that really fell apart for them fast. Um, I think it's all because of that video of those six guys going, that's what's in. It has to be because of that. I think I've watched that video probably 35 times. Um, but I, I can't think of another reason why the Padres aren't playing in the world series right now, other than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it took a. You know, I I don't I didn't watch much of games one and two mostly because I was working, but also because I was like, ah oh, man, I don't want to watch these games. But um, now World Series we'll probably have to watch since the Phillies Phillies are playing and they seem like the team of destiny right now and they're pretty fun to watch. Um, but then of course you got the Astros and you're kind of just kicking yourself a little bit. Um, what could have been a Dodgers Astros World Series, but then also. Um, it, it's tough to it's tough to see the Astros do well, especially after 2017. Yeah, I, I'm very thankful that the Phillies took down the Padres because if we would have had a Padres-Astros World Series, that would have been like, I'll take the meteor option because you don't want either one of those teams to win. So at least the Phillies, although, you know, we're still heartbroken over what happened, you know, 13, 14 years ago. This is a Phillies team. And after watching this series, Josh, I was kind of like you where the first couple games of the series, well, one, I, I just chose not to watch because it was too painful still, but... Once the Phillies kind of took lead in the series, once they went up 3-1, I was like, okay, the Padres aren't going to come back. Uh, The Phillies are probably going to win, so I could start tuning in. And watching this series between the Padres and Phillies, one, it just had me going, how the hell did the Dodgers lose to this Padres team? Because they looked so beatable, and obviously it's because the Dodgers didn't hit with the runners in scoring position. But they, they looked awful. But then the second part was thinking... Maybe it's for the best that the Dodgers didn't move on because seeing the way this Phillies team is playing right now, I don't think the Dodgers would have gotten past the Phillies. Now, obviously, anything could have happened, but the Phillies, 
the way they're playing right now, going back to the first round when they played the Cardinals, they look like they're the team of destiny. I mean, everything is going right for them. They're hitting like I've never seen a team hit before in the playoffs. Bryce Harper is looking like the best player in all of baseball, which he's pretty much been kind of the last five years, but he's just turned underrated. So, again, maybe it's for the best, but yeah, th- this Phillies team, Josh, like, I-, I don't know how much of, you know, game five you're able to watch yesterday, but having watched the Bryce Harper homer, like, live in the moment, which was, of course, you know, perfected by Joe Davis's call, uh, they just seem like no team's going to beat them, and hopefully the Astros aren't going to beat them as well, and the Phillies somehow magically win it all. Yeah, I mean, I was in Philly um, over the summer. It was right at the end of June, early July. Um, we uh, we actually took a couple of meetings about this podcast while I was walking around Philly. Um, and one of the nights we were there, the only night we were there, we decided to go to the Phillies game. It was a Phillies, uh, Phillies Braves. And the Phillies won, and I was there with someone who um, has covered the Phillies a little bit off and on. And uh, we had kind of agreed the Phillies are just okay, like, They'll make a push for the playoffs. They might get in. If they get in, cool. Like I credit that as a good season for kind of where the Phillies were at at that point. Um, but, you know, good for them. Like I was like, yeah, I'll root for you guys. Like, good luck. And now I texted him yesterday, and I was like, dude, like, what in the world? And he was like, yeah, I, you know, I thought that they were going to make a decent postseason run. I didn't think they were going to win the pennant and play in the World Series. Um, but that's where we're at right now because it seems like they're doing everything everything right it seems like everything's going their way um and they they look great against the braves they looked even better against the padres and you're right i think watching um some of the games of this nlcs you're thinking like man i can't believe the dodgers lost to this padres team and you think okay kind of like how we had said like you know shoulda coulda woulda but if the dodgers had had one of those hits with runners in scoring position and completely changed the series and maybe wins in three games maybe wins in four games maybe pushes it to five whatever the case may might be do the Dodgers even beat the Phillies yeah. with the way that the Phillies are playing? I don't think they do. I mean, if if they had had one or two hits go in their favor um, or, or, or or drop um, in the outfield, any bloopers, anything like that, if the Dodgers had had something drop, but other than that, most of the series or most of their play had remained exactly the same, I don't think they beat the Phillies, man. They just seem yeah. to be doing everything right. And the fact that Bryce can come up and do that, that to the opposite field in the clutch to basically win the NLCS. I mean, that's next level. Yeah, it's remarkable what they're doing. I mean, this is a team where they were the number six seed. So technically, I believe they're officially now the lowest seed to ever make the World Series because they just expanded the playoffs. So this was a national league that featured a Dodgers team that won 111 games. I think the Braves and the Mets both won 101 games. You have the Cardinals who won their division. They won something in like the low 90s, I believe. So they have that. And then you have the Padres that finished above them. But yet out of all those fantastic teams in the National League, the teams that we were talking about all season, it's the Phillies who come in, who also barely made it into the playoffs. The Brewers are right on their heels. I don't know how many games back the Brewers finished, but the Phillies just, you know, barely stuck into the playoffs. And this is, I guess, the good and the bad with expanded postseason, Josh, because the bad is the Dodgers have the best record in baseball. You know, they don't even make it to the CS, let alone the World Series. And, you know, that's obviously not great if you play 162 games where you're clearly the best team. 
but then it's good because you have teams like the Phillies where all you got to do is get into the postseason and anything can happen. We saw with the Nationals a couple years ago where if you just make it, anything can happen. I think now teams are going to see what the Phillies are doing. Again, I, I think they won 87 games, maybe 88 games. You're going to have all these fringe, I think, teams moving forward, maybe at trade deadlines where they're just a couple games out of the wild card spot and they're going to say, you know what? The Phillies can do it. Why can't we? And they're they're probably going to push their chips in to maybe acquire some pieces and go all in. So in the long run, I think this is good for baseball. I think it's going to, again, allow more teams to potentially go for it and be more competitive. But yeah, it's it's kind of kind of sucks that all it takes is an 88 win team to make it to the World Series. So I guess either way, but apparently it didn't, you know, phase the Astros because they won 105 games or so, and they've won every game this postseason. So the Astros are still doing what the Dodgers should have done. Yeah, exactly. The Astros are kind of in this place where they're just dominating the American League pretty much ever since 2017, and it's been every single year. And how they've made however many consecutive ALCS. Um, it's just what the Astros are doing, I feel like people aren't talking about as much as they probably should have. But I think when you look at what the Astros are doing, I think it's a combination between both the Astros being really good um, after they kind of push past 2017, but also is there a lack of parity in the American league? This is something that I was talking about yesterday and I won't go on too much of a rant here because we've got some, some important questions to talk about, but I feel like there's a lack of parity in the American league because if you look at the national league, I mean, basically every year, the Dodgers are the best team going in to the postseason every single year, not just in, not just in the national league, but, basically in baseball. And I feel like that's not something that's really up for debate because they just are the best team every year. And then, and then choke in the postseason. But this year Dodgers are the favorite to win the world series and who's coming out of the national league, the Phillies last year. I mean, it was between the Dodgers and the giants and who was a really good team that kind of came up from behind the Dodgers and the Giants, the Braves, they win the World Series. Year before that, the Dodgers were the best team, a shorter season. They beat everybody in the playoffs and the Dodgers win. But before that, who was it? It was a wild card team. Who was it before that? It was the Dodgers again, and they lost. And then before that, it was the Dodgers losing to the Astros. But then you look at this, and I feel like every year it's just a different team from the National League. Where you look at the American League, and every year people are like, the Yankees are going to be good. And look at the Yankees this year. They're the best team in baseball for a little while. Then the Dodgers started doing Dodgers things, and they were the best team in the American League. And then they, like, fell apart towards the middle of the season and then needed to build back up to where they were. And, like, other than that, like, the last couple years, it seems like every team in the American League who has this chance to be really good ends up losing out to the Astros with the exception of the Rays in 2020. But other than that, it seems like out of the American League, it's the same thing every single year. And out of the National League, you have somebody different every year. Now, part of that's because the Dodgers seem to choke every single year. But on top of that, there's just a new team of destiny in the NL every single year. And in the American League, you just don't have that. Yeah, I, th I think this is the Astros' sixth consecutive trip to the championship series. And like you said, outside of the Rays, you know, getting getting ahead in 2020, then I guess the Red Sox in 2018. Yeah, it's just the Astros every year and there's a team that comes up. But the, the thing with the Phillies is, like, the Phillies had to go through the, a tough Cardinals team to get through. They had to go through a tough Braves team to get through. And they had to go through a hot Padres team to get through. The Astros, like, they, I know they haven't lost a game this postseason, but, like, Outside of that first game against the Mariners in which the Mariners just choked, like, they didn't have any real test in the next two games. 
And in this Yankee series, the Yankees offense looked worse than the Dodgers offense. Like, I don't think the Yankees scored more than like three runs in a game or something. So I, I get that the Astros are now what seven and zero through the playoffs so far, but the teams they've played have just been pretty crappy. So I'm very interested to see how this matchup uh, shakes out. Astros have home field advantage, and I think it's still 2-3-2, so uh, I think it's the same how it was for the CS. So, Josh, before we uh, hit the break and talk about the topic of this episode, what are your uh, World Series predictions and uh, thoughts ahead of this Phillies-Astros matchup? Well, I gotta say, I think going in, I'm rooting for the Phillies. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, I'm gonna take the Astros in six. Um, I think, uh, and if they win, I mean... Good for them. Um, it's their first legitimate World Series. <laughs> so that's what I'll say to that. But, um, yeah, I mean, for the Astros, I think, obviously, they've been a really good team. They deserve to be there. Um, like you mentioned, I mean, the, they, they haven't really lost. They haven't, you know, beaten up on anybody ridiculously. I mean, the sweep to the Mariners was, like, the least dominating sweep I've seen in a long time. But, yeah, you know, they're winning games, and that's all that matters. And they're feeling confident yeah. going in. So, so they're a good team that, they deserve to be there. They deserve to win the World Series this year. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the Phillies are red hot. So I, I think I think it's a good series. Um, I do think that, uh, that the Astros come out on the other side of it, though. One thing I want to mention, and I was talking about this in my, uh, like, big group chat with all my uh, Substack subscribers the other day. I don't, maybe it's just me, and I don't notice this, but I know, I know you notice this, Josh, in regards to the Dodgers, at least, how it seems like every year that they get eliminated or something, the narrative just continues to be, well, the only World Series they could win was in a shortened season. It just goes to show that in a regular season, they just can't get the job done. And it seems like the national media, everyone, just completely craps on the Dodgers for that. I never see anything about the Astros, who, again, have had like a pretty dominant run during this stretch. I think I saw some graphic where... Since 2018, like, the Dodgers have the greatest five-year, like, winning percentage in baseball history, whereas the Astros have, like, the third-best winning percentage in baseball history. But I feel like no one ever is talking about how the Astros, year after year, continue to fall up short, when the only championship they won was in a year in which they were cheating. But yet, it just seems like the Dodgers are the, the ones because they won in a shortened season. I don't know if you've just aren't noticing that either but it seems very odd that they're on this dominant stretch again six consecutive trips to the championship series the dodgers don't even have that stretch they over the last six years i think they've gone to four championship series but yet the astros they only have one title to show for it and it's the year they were cheating so i think it's just very odd that there's no narrative like the astros need to win this year to uh completely distance themselves from the 2017 thing because again they they've been almost the better team but they have, you know, as many rings to show for during that stretch. So I, I find yeah. it very odd that they don't get more, I guess, disrespect or something like that. Yeah, I mean, no one slanders the Astros in that way. I mean, I, th- I think that you get that conversation all the time, that like, oh, the Astros cheat or whatever, and the, and the trash cans banging on the trash cans. But I feel like that, that narrative of, well, the only one that they won was one where they proved to have been cheating. Um, so you're right, and I, and I definitely don't think that you get anything like that from from many articles, or at least not the articles that I've seen about it, um, and especially anything you get on MLB.com. Again, that's the league's official website that has a news division, and also it's a league where the commissioner said uh, that the World Series that they won was just about a piece of metal in the first place. So what really do you expect um, from from the league site when, when Rob Manfred's in charge? Um, so 
Um, that's kind of the way that I feel about that. But um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if they if if they win, I think that if there is any more narrative still about that, at least within you know the media, the press, and because I I I think that that's all there, right? I think everybody has that in the back of their mind that if the Astros win this one, it's actually legit. But I also feel like no one's really putting it out there or not putting it out as much yeah. as they used to. Um, and, and I think that that's just the way that it goes. Um, especially, I think the Astros have done a pretty decent job from a PR standpoint and a baseball ops standpoint of distancing themselves from certain players and like letting guys go. But obviously you've still got two of those big characters there and Altuve and, and, um, and Bregman. So that's going to keep a lot of people hating on them. I think, especially with somebody like, like Altuve, who kind of was a, a seemed to be a ringleader in a lot of it and not really care about any of the repercussions or anything. Um, so, but I do think that if they, if they win this year, I think they can distance themselves from that even further, but you're right. I, I think that that's something that is just in the back of people's minds and they're not really putting out there too much. Yeah. So just wanted to get that off my chest, but I'm going to go with Phillies and six just because again, I can't right. the Astros. I want to see the Phillies win. And again, they, they seem like they're the team of destiny. So let's see if the Phillies can uh, keep this up in October. So we're going to take our first break, but when we come back, we're going to be getting to the Dodgers biggest questions surrounding the offseason there's a lot that's going to happen this offseason with the dodgers what can happen what questions do we have well just stay tuned for that all right josh so it's time now to dive into the biggest questions we have so essentially what we did was i asked josh to come up with four to five questions that he had for the dodgers offseason i myself had four to five questions and we pretty much combined them together we had some that were pretty much the same that we turned into a question but there were some that we had that were different so josh i think in total we came up with what seven questions overall for the Dodgers offseason, and we are going to get to them. So the first question that we came up with is, who is the Dodgers shortstop in 2023? This is uh, one that a lot of people are asking and wanted to know about. So as of right now, we don't know because uh, Trey Turner, who was the Dodgers shortstop for the last season and a half, he's going to be a free agent. He's going to receive a big payday. So the Dodgers, they might choose to bring him back or they can let him walk and then the Dodgers really got to get creative. So, Josh, I'll, I'll hit you first on this. Right now, October 24th, we are four, five months, however long, from opening day. If you were to take $20 out of your wallet, put it on the table right now, and make your prediction for who the Dodgers shortstop is opening day 2023, who are you going with? I think that the Dodgers need to do whatever is possible to bring back Trey Turner. Um, you know, on our last show that we, we had, um, about, you know, what went wrong and kind of our, our postseason review. Um, we both said that it seemed like Turner had a bad postseason, but he didn't really, um, you know, he's won a batting title. He's a two time yeah. all-star. He's won a world series and he was also top five in Major League Baseball and hits this year right there with Freddie Freeman. I don't remember where exactly finished, um, but I I think it's very tough to look at what Trey Turner did all season long and say the Dodgers should look somewhere else. But that being said, I don't think Trey Turner is a Dodgers shortstop next year. I, I, I would love to see him back in Dodger blue. Um, because I do think that he's got that swagger that the Dodgers need. I think he's basically um, – uh, you can rely on him for a hit seemingly every single night, 
Um, yeah. And that's kind of what the Dodgers need. I mean, if the Dodgers want to keep being the best team in baseball, if they want to keep playing the way that they've been playing and maximize their opportunity to win a World Series, especially in this window, I think you need to keep somebody like Trey Turner um, on the roster and, and in the organization. And, you know, we had talked yeah. about the whole thing back and forth, Correa versus Turner. Um, I think that if I could pick one, I would probably pick Trey Turner. Um, I, I just don't see him. Um, I, I just don't see the Dodgers end up re-signing Trey Turner in the offseason. Um, personally, I hope I'm wrong, but but if I had to put $20 on the table and make a bet, I would bet uh, somebody other than Trey Turner. Yeah, it, it just seems like... Because you heard this when the Dodgers first acquired him back in, what, 2021? There was that whole thing about, oh, he's only going to be a rental because Trey Turner prefers to be on the East Coast. And then even during the season this year... The Dodgers didn't engage in any contract negotiations with Turner at all, which is odd because he's not a Scott Boris client. If he was a Scott Boris client, you would get it. It would make sense, but he's not. So it's kind of odd the Dodgers didn't try to negotiate some sort of contract. And then the narrative came up again. Well, Trey Turner prefers living on the East Coast. Now, I know he went to... This is something I never understand, Josh, is when people are always like, oh, they prefer the East Coast or the West Coast or whatever. I know Trey Turner went to NC State. So if I were to guess... He probably has family in North Carolina. Again, that, that's just me guessing. So he prefers the East Coast. Well, Philadelphia, that's not in North Carolina. New York, that's not North Carolina. I never understand when they want to be on a certain coast when they're not like... I get they're closer to their family than if he was in like Los Angeles, but you're still not like right there. So I never understand why, you know, East Coast, like that's what you prefer over where you've established yourself, where you have your family now, like where you're winning ballgames. So I've always thought that was kind of odd where, you know, it'd be one thing if he was from Philly, then that makes sense. But I do think that this whole East Coast thing, like he does want to be on that side of the country more than being over here. Will the Dodgers bring him back? I'd be down if they do, but I think I've said this in previous shows. I'm hesitant to give him one of those massive contracts just because I do think once his speed starts to decline a little over the years, his value is going to take a massive, massive hit because defensively, I think we can all agree maybe that Corey Seager actually is an upgrade at this point over him defensively. Uh, Trey Turner, he had a three-month stretch where he just didn't hit for power, barely any home runs, barely any doubles. He was hitting, I think, still like 280, but his OPS was pretty low. Trey Turner is not getting those infield singles. His value really takes a massive hit. So I don't know if I want to commit $300 million to him, if I want to commit six, seven years to him. So... I think Trey Turner is gone. I don't know where he's going to be. So if Trey Turner leaves, Josh, it, it opens up a really interesting question because you can stay in-house, obviously. You can move Gavin Lux to shortstop, but I don't know if the Dodgers really want to do that. We've seen Gavin Lux at shortstop defensively. He's not ideal, and I don't know if that's what you want to go. There aren't many really options in the minors. I know you have a Jacob Amaya who is a goal glove caliber shortstop, but the dude cannot hit like at all. So... Those are your in-house options. And then you turn to the free agent market. There are some intriguing names. You have Dansby Swanson. You have uh, Xander Bogart, who I think has a player option who he's probably going to opt out and he'll become a free agent. And then you have Carlos Correa. So it pretty much seems like if it's not Trey, it's one of those three free agents. Or again, you're probably looking at Gavin Lux. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I, I think Gavin Lux would, would be a decent option, but I think the Dodgers would likely go out and make some sort of splash elsewhere. Um, I think uh, I think Dansby Swanson's a lot of fun. I really like Dansby Swanson. Uh, something to remember about uh, Dansby Swanson, though, is that uh, he is a free agent, 
he's from Marietta, Georgia, and he's playing for the Atlanta Braves. So I think that there's there's a good chance that, like you mentioned about Trey Turner, he, he's probably got a lot of family in that area too. He probably likes being in that area. I would love to see Dansby Swanson playing for the Dodgers. Uh, he's one that could be fun. Um, I also really like Xander Bogarts. Um, but we'll see. Um, there are a couple of guys that were on the market market that or that could have been on the on the market that are also um, club options too. Um, and then obviously Xander Bogarts and, and Carlos Correa are both opt outs. But um, there's a few names there. I, I really like the the Dansby Swanson option. I think that that would be really cool. Um, and I think that he's um, a pretty versatile shortstop too. And obviously this year he had a he had a really good season too. This year he hit. Uh, 277, 25 home runs, almost 100 RBIs, swiped a bunch of bags, and he had a war that was just under six. So, um, and what was his OPS? Uh, and his OPS was 776. All right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, him and Trey Turner, um, have some similarities, uh, in their game. He had a higher war than Trey. Um, his batting average wasn't as high. His RBI total wasn't as high. Um, his home run total was a little bit higher um but trey had a little bit higher ops too so there are some you know comparable stats that like stats that actually matter i think um but you know uh for the most part like i said i think i my first choice would be trey i don't see that happening um so depending on what the contract would be depending on what that what that um that payout would be um if i were to pick a free agent i i really like dansby swanson in this case yeah, and the thing with Dansby is he'll definitely be significantly cheaper probably than Trey. I mean, I don't think Dansby's yeah. going to be breaking $250 million, So, you know, you're not getting exactly the same player as Trey, but like you said, he had a higher war. Defensively, he is an upgrade, and he's cheaper. I don't know if you still have Dansby's page up. Does it say how old he is now currently? I have no idea what, what his age is. He's 28. Okay, so I think he's, he's one year he's younger a year than year Trey. So he's a year younger than Trey. So you're getting a year younger. You're saving money. You're probably getting the same amount of production. So, yeah, I'm all for it. And obviously, Josh, we're going to have more episodes this offseason where we talk about potential free agents for the Dodgers. And I have my master plan where the Dodgers uh, signed both Carlos Correa and Aaron Judge. But, again, that's just something that right. we tease for, uh, for a future well, episode. So we'll leave it Also, that. people sometimes forget about Dansby Swanson. I think everybody knows that he were, or most people know that he did go first overall. The fun thing about Dansby is he's one of those players that got drafted in the 38th round out of high school um, from Marietta, Georgia in 2012, and then was one of those guys that went to college, uh, went to Vanderbilt, which is a powerhouse, and then after going uh, 38th round, he goes first overall. So he's one of those cool stories where you see guys like that. And obviously, we both went to ASU, and we both covered Spencer Torkelson in college, um, and, and Tork was one of those guys that ended up not really getting an opportunity out of high school goes to college and goes one, one. So yeah, he's one of those cool so, guys. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, I'd be down for Dansby. He's a pretty good fallback option. I, again, I, maybe they just stay in house, but I, I hope they don't because I just don't think Gavin Lux is the long-term play at shortstop, but maybe if you have Gavin Lux at shortstop, maybe that allows them to bring up Michael Bush, maybe to uh, be the second yeah. baseman. So there's a lot of things that uh, the Dodgers can do with that, but that that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow this offseason. Maybe there's some shortstops that become available via trade that we're not even mentioning. So that's going to be a fun topic. All right, Josh, our second question for the offseason. What is the future of Clayton Kershaw? So this past season, he signed a one-year deal. He's pretty much said he's going to play it on a year-to-year basis. Now, I know we talked about him a few months ago 
saying if the Dodgers won the World Series, he'd probably ride off into the sunset, but the Dodgers didn't. He spoke with the media after the Dodgers were eliminated and pretty much said, as of right now, I'm leaning towards returning next season, but obviously anything can change. So at this point, I mean, it's pretty much in Clayton Kershaw's hands. It doesn't matter what the Dodgers offer. It doesn't matter how much money he's getting. It's a matter of, does he want to return? So Josh, I guess question one is, do you think Clayton Kershaw returns this offseason instead of retiring and question number two do you think it's with the Dodgers this is a question I think I'm a little bit more or an answer that I have a little bit more optimism behind um and I think that Clayton Kershaw comes back for one more year um like you said it's kind of up to Kershaw and and Andrew Friedman kind of expressed that um after the season ended um he said that he had a strong hope that Kershaw returns to the Dodgers, but also that he, just like last year, is going to take the time to figure some things out for himself and for his wife, uh, Ellen, and and for the kids and, and see what would best benefit him and his family. Um, I think it's hard to imagine Kershaw going somewhere else. Um, I, I think last year, even more than this year, people had that thought. Kershaw could go to the Rangers and also the Rangers look like they might be a decent team too. And they were not. Um, but I think that people thought that there was a pretty good chance he would go to the Texas Rangers and be back home. I, I just, I don't know if I see that. I, I, yeah. I really just, I, I don't know if that's optimism or blind optimism, but I just don't see that happening. Um, I, I think that for Kershaw, he either comes back to the Dodgers or, or I think that maybe, maybe he calls it. Um, and if he calls it, he calls it. And he had a phenomenal career. He won himself a world series, um, a Cy Young an MVP. And, um, for, for Kershaw, um, you know, how old is he now? He's, he's still uh, younger than you think. I think he's like 33 or 34. Yeah, he's 34. So he, he's, he is, he actually is younger than I thought he was, but, you know, again, and he's coming off another really good season where he won 12 games and he had a sub 250 ERA. So, you know, um, I would love to see him come back for another year. I think he does come back for another year. Um, and if he doesn't, I, I think I am more inclined to think that maybe he calls it and, he, and then he says he's done rather than go somewhere else. That's kind of just the way yeah. that I see it. Yeah. I mean, I get the whole the whole reasoning where he would want to go to the Rangers just because he gets to pretty much live at home. I think it's like the ballpark's like 15 or 20 minutes away from where he lives. So I get wanting to, you know, be home, but Clayton Kershaw being the competitor he is, it just seems impossible to see him wanting to play for a team like the Rangers. Now, if the Rangers were like the best team in the AL West, they were like a, you know, a strong contender to win the World Series, then it can make some sense. But I just can't see him wanting to spend his last season you know, with a team that's rebuilding, you know, obviously they weren't one of the worst teams this year, but they weren't fighting for a playoff spot. So it's tough to see him doing that this season. He was having more fun than normal. Obviously it was something different than we've seen in years past. And the numbers were still there. I mean, he didn't have as many starts to qualify for a lot of these leaderboards, but this was his best season in five or six years. And he pretty much said he wants to continue pitching while he still has his best stuff. He doesn't want to deal with injuries. And I think for the most part, he clearly still has the stuff. The injuries he dealt with were just stuff with his back again that he's dealt with every season. So I think if he's able to manage that and continue to, you know, be really cautious with his workload, clearly he could still be one of the better pitchers in the game. So if I were to guess, I think he comes back for one final season. I do think he wants to win another world series just so that way 
he doesn't end with that one where, again, you could say, well, it was in the bubble, it was a shortened season. I do think he wants to add one in a real season, in a 162-game season. Again, maybe he wants a farewell kind of tour where he goes into the season knowing, okay, this is it for me. I want to, you know, take advantage of every moment. I want to, you know, really maximize my final full season since I know it's going to be my last. So if I were to guess, I think he returns. But at the end of the day, it all determines on what his family thinks, what he thinks about his health. But if I were to lean some way right now, Josh, with, you know, a few months to go, I would say, yes, he's back. And I think next season will probably be the final season of his career. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we're going to move on to question number three. Do the Dodgers pick up Justin Turner's option? So Justin Turner under contract for one more season, but it is a team option. I believe it is for $16 million. They have a $2 million buyout, so the Dodgers could either pick up his option for $16 million, or they could buy him out for $2 million. He could opt to sign somewhere else and make more money, or maybe the two teams can agree to a team-friendly deal for maybe 6 to $8 million, and the Dodgers can save, you know, not a whole lot of money, but every, you know, every million you could save is huge for the Dodgers. So, Josh, uh, what do you think the Dodgers do with Justin Turner? Because he was very, very good in the second half of the season, one of the better hitters in all of baseball. But for the second postseason in a row, the dude uh, was missing in action, looked awful, looked outmatched at the plate, and he is going to be 38 years old next season. Yeah, so he'll be 38 in November. Um, The last two postseasons, he had six hits and 47 ABs. Not very good. Um, he again, it would be sixteen million. Um, that's the team option for next year. Um, and then on top of that, if you were to look elsewhere, if you were to look elsewhere and say, what are the options outside of Justin Turner? Obviously, you have Muncie, who had a disappointing season, not a great postseason, but was better than others. Muncie can play third. Muncie mm-hmm. can bat as a DH if he needs to. And also, we talked about him potentially being on the postseason roster, and then he was on the postseason roster. Miguel Vargas. So yep. um, so where does that leave the Dodgers if they don't bring back Justin Turner? I think, yeah, you're not bringing back a fan favorite. You're not bringing back somebody who has was born and raised a Dodgers fan and wants to be in L.A. And the Dodgers kind of re- revived his career and turned him into – um, a really well-respected player again. Um, but I think the Dodgers are also going to be okay if they let him go. Would love to see him come back if he can bring it again. Um, because again, he was good in the regular season. He was good in the second half of the season. He was just a player that didn't come through uh, at the very end um, in the postseason. Yeah. But again, he's had some good postseasons for the Dodgers too. Um, I'd like to see Turner come back personally, um, especially if it's a team-friendly deal, then I think that's a win-win for both the team and for him and for Dodger fans. Um, I think that'd be huge. I just don't know. I I don't know. I I feel like I don't see it. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because... There, you have to take into account both sides. You have to take into account the side that he's one of the best Dodgers, probably, you know, since the team moved to Los Angeles, the numbers he's put up, and he's a fan favorite, everything he's done for the Dodgers. You'd love to have him back. He's a huge voice you want to have in the clubhouse, but at the end of the day, he's going to be 38 years old. He did really look awful in the first half, but he turned things around, but then in the postseason, he looked awful again. I'm down for the Dodgers to bring him back, like you said, a team-friendly deal, a lot less money than the $16 million he'd be getting, but kind of have him play like a David Freeze role. 
have him not as your everyday third baseman, have him see maybe three starts a week, pretty much maybe as a full-time DH, maybe once a week he, you know, plays third base, but have him, you know, not as a consistent daily guy you have in your lineup, because like you mentioned, Max Muncy, he could still play third base, Miguel Vargas, who was the AAA player of the year, he's a third baseman, you want to see what he has to offer, and at some point, you know, you don't want to have a guy like Turner, who's 38, taking away at-bats from young guys who might be your future, so hopefully they bring Turner back, because clearly he showed that he still is a valuable piece with the bat, but if he comes back and again he's getting two three starts a week he's a bench bat and he's a guy you're still having in your clubhouse I think the Dodgers would more than take that it's just if Justin Turner is willing to you know take six million dollars next season so including his buyout that's eight million dollars instead of the 16 where I hope he does because again with Justin Turner it seems impossible for him to say you know what let me go get 15 million dollars with the Pittsburgh Pirates like, I just can't see him doing that. So hopefully he returns. Hopefully it's for a lot less money because I think the Dodgers could desperately use him. But again, this is kind of like what we talked about with the shortstop, Josh. The Dodgers have so many options when it comes to third base. And this is something that we can tease for, you know, an offseason show. But uh, one an, another player that grew up a Dodgers fan, that grew up going to high school not too far from Dodger Stadium, well, he has an opt-out with the St. Louis Cardinals this offseason. That's Nolan Arenado. So... Let's say he, you know, opts out and he becomes a free agent. Maybe the Dodgers make a move at him. So there, there's a lot of craziness that can happen this offseason. So we don't know, but it's yeah, hard to I imagine. mean, yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. I, I don't know if I see that happening though either. Um, but I mean, Josh, believe in at, the master plan. Believe I know, in the I know, master I know. plan. You've got this whole plan. You want Shohei and Judge and Arnado, and and we'll see what happens. I think if yeah. you got one of those, you'd be fine. <laughs> I don't think yeah. any of them are going to happen. But, I mean, you look at what, what the Dodgers did when they signed him to the to the two-year extension um, and back in – or the two-year deal back in 2020 going into – twenty or the, the 2021 season. That first season, he hit 278, was an all-star, had 27 home runs. His OPS was at 832. I mean, he was phenomenal. And then this year, again, it was a lot – it was really good at the end of the season, but – you know, he only had 13 home runs. He had 81 RBIs. Um, I still can't believe he stole three bases this season. Um, <laughs> but he stole three bases. He had 278, which was the same as last year. But, um, but you know, it was a good season. But last year, I, I think, was even better. So this two-year deal for a guy who was 36 years old, um, I think, really worked out for the Dodgers. It just didn't pan out in the postseason. So I would yeah. love to see him come back. I think if there's a team-friendly deal, they should absolutely do it. But... Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit less optimistic about um, Turner than about Kershaw, but we'll see what happens. Anytime I watched Justin Turner just try to not sprint, but just try to run, I was just sitting there on the couch, just holding my hamstrings going, they're going to give out any seconds. But luckily that didn't happen to him this, uh, this season. So another one, Josh, that we're going to get to next before we take our break. And that's Cody Bellinger. So he doesn't have a player option because he's still eligible for arbitration. But the question is, does he get non-tendered by the Dodgers? So essentially, I think the official number, or not the the non-official number, but the number that looks like it's pretty much close, it looks like Cody Bellinger would get $18 million in arbitration, which for a player like him, you do not want to pay $18 million for. So there's the chance that he gets non-tendered. So Josh, let's say that uh, you know the Dodgers decide to non-tender Cody Bellinger. They still could bring him back to a much cheaper option or... He could opt to go elsewhere. So I guess one, do you think the Dodgers 
reach an agreement with Cody Bellinger in arbitration for that eighteen million dollar number, or two, if they non tender him, do you think uh, do you think he returns next season? I just uh, it it's tough to say because again. I mean, this guy could give you the world, right? Like, it, yeah. 2017 rookie season was unreal. He was the 2019 MVP. But again, I think that he's just not been very good at all each of the last two, three seasons. And it seemed like uh, it seemed like Friedman was a little bit more non-committal in the Bellinger area than he was even with Turner. But I mean, and, and definitely not the way that he was with Dave Roberts, who he said would be back 100% and the rest of the coaching staff would be too. And he said he was, you know, there's a strong hope that Kershaw would come back and he was optimistic. Yeah. Bellinger, it was like no comment. Um, so I don't know. I'm not super confident. I just don't think that the Dodgers are in a position right now where they want to give Bellinger uh, um, eighteen million dollars. Uh, again, like if it's a team option, uh, I just I don't know because again, like he he's a phenomenal defensive player, but really is is that money worth it if you can go get somebody who's decent defensively, um, and can hit the baseball more consistently than Cody Bellinger's? And you look at some of the top you know free agents this year that you could potentially go get and maybe even save yourself a little bit of money and i feel like i feel like there are some better options even if you even if you spend a little bit more money i feel like there are some better options um granted i think that means that bellinger goes somebody else somewhere else and then starts hitting the baseball again um but i just don't know if it's worth worth it for the dodgers to 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 pay him yeah, that's the tough thing because again, he's a Gold Glove caliber center fielder, has great speed, and those things are you know bonuses to have with a guy. But it's the fact that the last three seasons now, I think he's actually been statistically the worst hitter in baseball, and that so many times can you have a guy that's just a guaranteed out hit ninth in your lineup? So it's a, yeah, do you value the insane defense he provides in center field, or do you just go a different route and you know save money because? Obviously, looking at first off, looking at your in-house options, you have Trace Thompson who could play center field. He's going to be back. You can have Chris Taylor there. You can have James Outman there. So you have options that aren't terrible. Even maybe with James Outman, he might not even be a downgrade. He might be an upgrade. Obviously, Trace Thompson, we saw him in center field make some really good plays, and Chris Taylor has experience. So, and those guys are upgrades with the bat. So, do you go one of there? Because when you're looking at you know the free agent market right now, Josh. I'm looking just at outfielders in general that are currently free agents and outside of my master plan where you sign Aaron Judge and move him to center field, your options aren't really all that great. You have maybe like Will Myers you could put in center field, A.J. Pollock, Adam Duvall, Kevin Kiermeyer, Andrew Benintendi, you know, Tommy Pham. So some some okay names, but at that point, I think I might rather stay in-house and just go with one of those options. So I do think he gets non-tendered. I think the Dodgers try to bring him back on a much cheaper deal. It's just a matter of, does Cody Bellinger want to take a discount and return to the Dodgers or go somewhere else, get a higher payday and kind of just, you know, end this end this relationship. But it would suck if you were to go somewhere and not necessarily put up MVP numbers again, but if Cody Bellinger were to go to like the Arizona Diamondbacks and next season he posts an OPS like above 800, hits like 30 home runs, you'd be kicking yourself over not bringing him back for only $18 million a year. So the Dodgers, again, another interesting decision the Dodgers have on their sleeves. If Aaron Judge isn't in the cards, I think they do whatever they can to bring him back. 
because that that is the significant upgrade. But if not, maybe they just they choose to bring him back and hope that he doesn't change his swing for the twelfth time. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know. I, I think that that's that's a good point. Um. If there is no immediate upgrade, then why not? Um. You might as well have him and then. Look, obviously you don't want to pay him and not play him, but if things don't work out, you're hoping that guys are going to be more healthy than they were last year too. Um, and obviously you're probably not going to bring back Joey Gallo. I, I think that Joey Gallo is done um, with the Dodgers, but you know you look at some of the options that the Dodgers have, even guys who came up and you know had little cameo appearances last year for the team too. And um, there are guys that can fill in in the outfield, but right now, if you were to look elsewhere, maybe there is no immediate upgrade for Cody Bellinger. So. Um, I think that's a good way to look at it. And in that case, maybe he will be back. Maybe they, maybe they want to pay him. But again, if, if Bellinger wants to accept a, a, a smaller contract too, I think that's a good win for Dodger fans too. Yeah. I mean, again, he could still, you know, they could bring him back for $10 million where they're saving $8 million. He's still getting a solid amount of change and he doesn't have to go anywhere else. So very interesting. Again, I think the Dodgers have, it's like December 2nd or something like that is when they have to decide if they're going to non-tender him. So we still have over a month for that. So we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to answer our three final questions. And we're actually going to turn to some of the viewers because we asked on Twitter for them to submit some questions they had. So we'll be answering those, but we'll be right back. All right, Josh, we are going to get to a few of our final questions, but I'm looking at some of the questions that we got from some of our our fans on our Twitter page, and actually a lot of them are pretty much the questions that we had. So uh, some of the questions we have remaining that we jotted down are actually coming from fans. So instead of us going to the question that we came up with, let's go to a question that a a fan came uh, came up with because we want to interact with them as much as possible. So this comes from Caitlin Carnes. And they want to know, in a perfect world, what does the 2023 starting rotation look like? Do the Dodgers get another arm in the offseason, or will they go all in on the health and the buildup of guys returning from injury? Josh, it's like she almost looked at our uh, our text exchange from last night, because that was uh, actually our next question coming up, is what happens with the starting rotation? But we'll answer her question in regards to that. So right now, Josh, I believe the only three names that are locked and loaded are Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, and Dustin May. Clayton Kershaw, Tyler Anderson, and uh, Andrew Heaney. They're all free agents, so the Dodgers got to fill in some spots in the starting rotation, so do you think they bring certain guys back? Do you think they make a splash with some free agents, or do you think they maybe go to the farm with guys like Ryan Pepio, Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, Andre Jackson, Michael Grove? A lot of options, but also a lot of questions and uncertainty so far. I think it's going to be a combination of the two of those options. I think that the Dodgers will, um, we, like we mentioned, I think we're both pretty optimistic about Clayton Kershaw coming back. So if, and if in fact Kershaw does come back, I think right now that puts your rotation in May Urias, Gonsolin and Clayton Kershaw. I would love to see the Dodgers bring back Tyler Anderson. Um, I think that would be awesome, but I could also see, Anderson kind of using this season with the Dodgers as maybe uh, a, a starting point to go somewhere else um, and to to maybe get a better offer from somebody else. I could totally see that happening. Would love to see the Dodgers bring back Tyler Anderson, though. Um, Heaney yeah. was good this year. He was a decent option. I don't know if I ex- expect him to come back. I would say no. Um, but then I think that you're going to see more guys like Miller and Pepio and Andre Jackson and and um, maybe Stone. And, and I do think that the Dodgers have that luxury of all these top prospects. 
Um, and maybe in fact, I mean, obviously it depends on what the free agent market looks like and what the Dodgers do with some of their pending free agents. Um, but ultimately, uh, I, I think that next year could be a year where we see guys get more opportunities. And again, we saw Pepio this year. Um, we saw Andre Jackson this year and we got to see some of these guys for brief cameos. Um, and, uh, beyond, you know, some late spring training games, but, uh, realistically, I think it's going to be a combination of the two. Yeah, so I think we both can agree that we think Clayton Kershaw is going to return, so that gives the Dodgers their fourth starter. Obviously, you got to have depth. you got to have some guys behind him. I'd love for Tyler Anderson to come back. I know the Dodgers can give him the qualifying offer, which I think is like $20 million, but if he gets a two- or three-year deal from another team, maybe he takes that, but I would love Tyler Anderson to return. And again, the Dodgers, they have some solid guys in the minors. We saw some of them this season come up and give spot starts, but Ryan Pepio, this is a guy where he's a top 100 prospect, one of the better arms the Dodgers have. Maybe he's a guy that gets a solid amount of starts. You got Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. They're both in AAA. They're both, you know, top 50 prospects in all of baseball. And a lot of people think they're the future when it comes to the rotation. But do you want to really commit to those guys, you know, early on in 2023, where maybe in the mid or later season, they come up, they get some starts. But I don't know if you want to go into the season, having them in your starting rotation. And then looking at, you know, potential free agents, obviously, Jacob DeGrom, that would be a fun one potentially for the Dodgers if they added him to the starting rotation, but he's going to be a uh, a big, a big payday. Carlos Rodon, you know, we saw him with the Giants this season. He was solid. He's probably going to opt out. But outside of that, you know, Chris Bassett, Nathan Navaldi, Noah Syndergaard, Taiwan Walker, Michael Waka, um, not, not really fantastic options. You know, you'd honestly probably rather stick in the farm when it comes to those. I think if we're talking free agents, the only two I would be down for would be DeGrom or Rodon, but again, those are going to be guys that cost a lot of money, and I don't think the Dodgers want to spend a lot of money this offseason, so in a perfect world, Kershaw and Anderson come back, and the Dodgers just have, like I said, all those minor leaguers sitting in the farm, ready to go, ready for a spot start, ready to replace a guy if they get hurt if needed, and uh, I think that would be the perfect, you know, perfect scenario for the Dodgers, uh, given those circumstances, Josh. Yeah. Um, and also when it comes to that kind of money going out and getting somebody like those two big names that you just mentioned, um, that's going to be a lot of money that the Dodgers can't apply um, to bringing in Aaron Judge, um, who's that's in true. your master plan. So that's true. And Correa. <laughs> so I don't know if that and Carlos Correa. Yeah. yeah. Also, you're not going to like this, um, but I, I just looked up. This was part of the last conversation about Bellinger. So I looked up Andrew Benatendi because I do really like Andrew Benatendi. And he was, you know, he had a decent year this year. Um, wasn't amazing with the Yankees. Um, but was but was really good with Kansas City, and they had predictions for all the Yankees free agents, and their Yankee or their prediction for Aaron Judge was uh, signs multi year deal with the Giants. So there you go. That goes against the master plan. So it does. It, it goes the opposite direction of the master yeah. plan. It goes very very. <laughs> I guess it doesn't go south. It goes north technically, but. Hey, technically, we'll see. Technically, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what Friedman has up his sleeve. All right, Josh. Well, this is actually a great transition into our next question, and that's do the Dodgers make a big splash? Because this is a team where in years past, whether it's at the trade deadline, whether it's during the offseason, they always seem to make some sort some sort of splash, whether it's a hitter, whether it's a pitcher, whether it's just a trade. Even a couple years ago when they did that trade with the Cincinnati Reds. They weren't necessarily, you know, acquiring all-star talent when they got Josiah Gray, they got Jeter Downs, but it was a splash of a trade because they traded away Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Alex Wood. So again, it doesn't have to mean they're necessarily, as the uh, the washer goes off right there in the background, I don't know if you heard ah, it just Blake. vibrate, but 
Do you think the Dodger, the Dodgers, Josh, makes some sort of splash this offseason, either via a trade or via a free agent signing, which would coincide with the master plan? That's a great question. I think yes. I think they do. Um, the Dodgers, um, in terms of external free agents, that's what we're going to be. We're either talking external free agents or to bring somebody else in. And I think the answer is yes. Um, the Dodgers, on paper, need a closer. Um, because Kimbrel is gone. Um, and also you've got a few other players that are kind of in that mix that were in the bullpen that, that are, I'm not, I don't mean gone, but are free agents. Um, so I, I don't know, obviously I don't know what Craig Kimbrell's situation is going to end up being. Um, but the Dodgers could use, a, a more distinguished closer at this point, um, based off of, um, you know, what we saw in the postseason wasn't bad. But again, Kimbrell wasn't on the postseason roster, so the Dodgers don't really have that go-to closer right now. Um, and that was, you know, a topic for discussion on our last podcast. So that could be an area to focus in on a little bit. Um, again, you know, if the Dodgers opt to not bring back Justin Turner or Anderson or Heaney um, or anybody like that, if they don't bring back Cody Bellinger, then yeah, I think I think the, the possibility of a postseason – or of, a, of an off-season um, free agent splash uh, is likely. Um, I see the Dodgers doing something. What I don't see happening is I don't see another Freddie Freeman move. I don't see another Mookie Betts move. I don't see anything like that. Um, I do think the Dodgers will make some sort of, of impactful move this off-season. I just don't see it being one of those huge headlines moves like Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman. Is it something that the Dodgers are going to make some sort of headline over like, oh, wow, the Dodgers did this? Okay, sure, I could see that. I would not expect something like a Mookie Betts trade or this Freddie Freeman saga or the Clayton Kershaw saga, even though they were just bringing back Kershaw. I don't see anything like that um, this offseason. Um, but again, you know, I could be wrong. I just don't see that happening. I think the dot. I yeah. think where those options, where those openings are in the Dodgers roster, do not allow for that to happen, at least at face value, in my opinion, right now. I wish we uh, had some episodes we recorded back beginning, you know, when the season began, because I actually, Josh, had a master plan that I hatched together back in March, and it looks like it's slowly coming together. When Kenley Jansen signed with the Braves, I said. He wanted to get his payday. He wanted to guarantee he's going to be getting money. His family stayed back in Los Angeles, Josh. His family didn't come with him to Atlanta. His family stayed back in L.A. He signed only a one-year contract. And, uh, well, Kenley Jansen was actually spotted at LAX just yesterday and was asked about a potential return to the Dodgers in which he said he's open to it. If the opportunity presents itself, he wants to come back. He loved his time in Atlanta, but his family's here in L.A. He wants to be back here, so... Josh, uh, Master Plan Part 1 might fully come together with Kimbrell on his way out. You bring Kenley back in, and then all of a sudden you have your closer. You help your bullpen for the offseason. So there's there's Master Plan uh, 1.0 that Maybe. we'll just see if, it, see if it happens. But yeah, I think the Dodgers make a splash. Again, I, I don't know if it's going to be necessarily, like you said, a Mookie Betts trade, a Freddie Freeman signing. Now, if my Master Plan comes together, obviously that answers the question. Yes, it'll be quite the splash. But if the Dodgers don't bring in Aaron Judge or they don't bring in Carlos Correa, I still think they're going to make some sort of move because, one, 
they just have to. I mean, you have like 12 free agents this offseason, something like that. You have a lot of guys that you're going to be losing, and you have you have a lot of spots in your starting rotation, in your lineup, in your bullpen, on your bench, that you have to fill in some way or some other. And I, I don't think it's going to be strictly of guys that are in the farm. So, yeah, I think they make a splash. Again, whether it's a trade, whether they send out, you know, obviously like last year, even before the season started, the Craig Kimbrell, A.J. Pollock trade. That's a splash of a trade because it's something you're not expecting. So maybe we get something like that with a guy that we expect to be on the roster in 2023. They're traded out, whether it's for prospects or something like that. But again, I, I think it's going to be a hectic offseason. And I think we're going to get a whole bunch of craziness that's going to ensue. But Josh, that kind of, again, ties into our final question that we came together to, uh, to come up with. And that's, will any of the top prospects get a shot? So We've kind of been talking about this as the show's gone on. We've mentioned guys like Miguel Vargas, Michael Bush, Ryan Pepio, Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, James Outman, some top prospects in the Dodgers farm system. There haven't been spots for them on the everyday 26-man roster. Again, there's going to be spots. There's going to be playing time up for grabs depending on what the Dodgers do this offseason. So if they hold on to some of their top guys, if there's some spots available, do you think we're going to be seeing a lot of these guys get maybe everyday roles with the Dodgers in 2023, or are they going to continue to keep them in the farm and kind of just like what we saw with, uh, you know, Vargas, Outman, just kind of, they're up for spurts, but we don't really see much of them. You know what? I do think that um, Miguel Vargas is in the fold next year for the Dodgers. I also think that either Ryan Pepio or Bobby Miller or both are in the fold for the Dodgers next year. Um, maybe not on a full-time basis, but on a more full-time than part-time we'll say um i think yeah. that uh there's there's a really good chance for that um i also think next year is a michael bush year i said that this year i really thought this was going to be the year where we got yeah. a michael bush cameo um we don't get it in fact i do think it could be next year i know that mlb.com had his eta at like 2022 but you know it, it is what it is those things aren't accurate um but i do think that 2023 we could see michael bush um, in terms of other players that we could see, at least on like a cameo basis. Um, again, I like James Outman. I think a lot of Dodger fans do when you come onto the scene and you do that um, for a couple of games. I, I think uh, the fans are going to like you. Um, so I like James Outman. I think that he's in. Uh, he's going to be included next year. I could see him very much serving as kind of like that, uh, that um, Zach McKinstry kind of role too. Yeah. Um, where he's around at the start of the season, he's getting his ABs. Um, and again, you know, feel bad for Zach uh, McKinstry. You know, he was up for a while and people loved him and then it kind of just faded out and he wasn't playing very well. Um, so, yeah. but, I, but I do think that James Outman could kind of be that kind of player where he's not going to be like McKinstry where you could put him anywhere, but you could put him in the outfield and, and he'll be good and he'll get some hits for you. Um, and again, I, you know, you look at some of the other top guys like Cartaya and, and, pages and gavin stone and against gavin stone's a guy that's going to be included but there are a lot of young guys in here like dalton rushing was just drafted he was in rancho this year um nick nestrini's still younger maddox bruns i think started this year in rancho and and was still um he, he's still a young guy jacob amaya is still young and obviously he you had touched on him a little bit earlier but yeah there's a lot of good young players that i just don't think are there quite yet um but uh, I think that we'll definitely see a few getting cameos. And I think, like I said, Vargas, Pepio, Miller are guys that I think can stick around for a little while. Yeah. 
I mean, like you said, Vargas, he probably seems like a guy that's going to be on the everyday roster moving forward. If they don't bring back Cody Bellinger, James Outman probably takes his role, and he has a more consistent role as well. And again, we talked about it. If the Dodgers opt to not make a major splash and they move Gavin Lux over to shortstop, that opens up a spot for Michael Bush to play second base. And, you know, we talked about this in regards to the starting rotation. Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, Gavin Stone. These are guys where you don't you probably don't want to start the season having to rely on them to be in the starting rotation. But if you're able to bring back Kershaw, you're able to bring back Anderson, you have those guys available where if one of the guys goes down with an injury, they can come up for a start or two and they can build some big league innings. But like, yeah, the Dodgers, once again, so much talent they have in the farm system. I think maybe outside of Michael Bush and James Outman, they don't really have anyone that's like maybe fighting for a spot on the opening day roster because Michael Bush, yeah, I think he's going to be 25 next season. He's been, you know, in the minors for a couple of seasons and the numbers he's put up have been, you know, pretty damn good. I think he hit like 30 homers this year, probably OPS of like 900. So this is a guy where you got to give him a shot to see what he has. So very interesting to see because as I mentioned as well, you have so many of these young guys fighting for spots that aren't there. Maybe they opt to trade. Josh, the uh, Chatham curse might have to live on, and they might trade Michael Bush to get like a big no. league arm. If that's the case, you might have to just denounce Chatham and everything that they offer because I don't think they want uh, a Chatham player to ever suit up for the Dodgers again at this rate. Oh you might have gosh. to hope for Kyle. You might have to root for a 2025 when Kyle Hurt is finally ready to come yeah. up and then he gets shipped off somewhere. God, man. So and you know what? Like, that's what's so disappointing, too, is it's like. We had Dave in the booth that second season. He was like, yeah, Michael Bush. And we were like, yeah. But then at the same time, you bring up Bush, he might have the impact that a different Chatham guy has. Jeremy Pena, just out of nowhere for the Astros. And he's been doing this for for Houston. So, I mean, unreal for Jeremy Pena in the season that he had and then doing what he's done in the postseason now. But that's a former Chatham guy. He he had a really good season. He hit a... 228 and 36 games for the Chatham A's back in 2017 and was just fine. And now Jeremy Pena. He's doing okay. Jeremy Pena. I found a Jeremy Pena jersey, actually. Uh, My host family, um, their son was the videographer the year before I was there, and he knew Pena really well. And then when he left and they gave all the jerseys back, he ended up getting like a Jeremy Pena jersey or something. So he just kept it whenever he would shoot video there you go that's a hanging in the closet potentially valuable piece of memorabilia. i mean that's the thing you, you never know Maybe. with these young guys i mean like you said he's a rookie this season and look what he's doing for the astros years ago when Corey seager was one of the top prospects he he turned out just fine cody bellinger was one of the top yeah. prospects for three four years he was just fine and things kind of took a turn for the worse but we've seen you know a lot of these prospects they can come up and they can just spark life into a team and they could turn out to be you know potential studs and we just don't know like we don't know what Miguel Vargas has to offer we don't know what Michael Bush has to offer I mean there's the reality Josh where James Outman obviously that week we saw him he's not gonna be able to keep that up but he could be a solid major leaguer Miguel Vargas he could turn into a solid major leaguer Michael Bush he could turn into a solid major leaguer Ryan Pepio Gavin Stone Bobby Miller they could be really good starters and again these could be guys that could be foundational pieces for you moving forward but they can help you win in 2023 it's just a matter of do you give them enough opportunities? Do you give them enough shots? Hopefully the Dodgers do because I think this is probably overall the most talented the uh, farm system the Dodgers have had overall from top to bottom and probably ever because if you were to take like their number 15 prospect, I don't know who it is, but their number 15 prospect, Josh, would probably be 
a lot of teams number six, number seven prospects. That's just how deep their their you know farm is. So hopefully some guys get a shot, and hopefully again for the sake of this show and everything that's all well, Michael Bush does not get traded, and Josh can finally see a Chatham A suit up for the Dodgers for more than a week. Because I, yes. I think I think I think Josiah Gray was less than a week. I want to say, but at least you got to see him start one game, right? I was at his debut. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, but but that's the thing. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you mentioned the farm system and stuff and, and seriously, like it's, it's for the Dodgers. It's about finding those opportunities for these guys to actually get in the lineup and play because the Dodgers had those opportunities for players like Seager and Bellinger. And now it seems like those openings aren't really there just because the Dodgers have used those prospects um, to, and, and have developed them into legitimate major league baseball players or, they have filled in some holes with some free agents or some trades and use the prospects that they had to create these trades. So right now it's just about finding those openings and those opportunities to have one of these rookies or one of these prospects come up and have a good rookie season and find a a full-time spot in the lineup. Yeah. So again, a lot to figure out with the farm system, a lot to figure out with the Dodgers this off season. Those were our seven biggest questions. And you know, we, I said it, a few episodes ago, I said it today, and I'll say it again. This offseason for the Dodgers is probably going to be like unlike anyone we've seen in recent memory just because of so many free agents, of so many holes you need to fill, of so many prospects that need to get a shot at the big league roster. This Dodgers 40-man roster is going to look a whole lot different in April than it did in September. But before we go, Josh, I just want to give a shout-out to all the people on Twitter that hit us up with their questions because the downside is, a lot of them have the same exact questions that we put together, so obviously we couldn't get to them. Like Michael Whitman, how do the Dodgers replace Trey? Not just the shortstop position, but if they go for a defensive-minded shortstop, how do they replace his offensive production? So again, a very good question there. We had what Ace Junior Junior third base. What's who's going to play third base? Love Justin Turner, but it's time to move on. Doesn't look like Cody Hosey will be ready, and that's the shallowest position in the market. Max Muncy is not a third baseman. Got to figure that out as soon as possible. So some really good questions that people asked. Uh, one person said go all in on Judge. So I guess they're hopping on board. There you uh, go. El, Ma- El Master, Master Plano. Plan. Yes. They ma- we need to have a good name for it. Not that's... El Master Plano. No. Uh, no. Hang on, hang on. How let's, about... Let's... Let's let's how about this the out. master plan, the master plan, the master plan. Um, uh, I need I need to like completely figure out what like I can't just have the master plan be in like sign error and judge. I need it to be like a six or seven part thing that just it can't it's be just in like Spanish, it trickles though. down. It's just not yeah. as cool in Spanish. Like the master plan is cool, but el plan maestro is just not as good. Okay, there's there's it's just, so that so. I see. I yeah. thought I thought it would just be a lot. I thought it would be significantly better in Spanish, but it's just too long. I did too. That's why I went for it. But also, my Spanish was wrong, and that just goes to show that wrong. my like that my six years combined between high school, community college, and college just were all for naught. And no, I'm good for none of it. So, but yeah, there there were a lot of good ones. Again, we answered a bunch of them. So we appreciate everyone that hit us up on Twitter. Again, if you guys ever want to ask us questions for future episodes or stuff like this, where we're going to have a potential topic that you can share your thoughts on, we'll talk about it. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Inside the Ravine. We're also on Instagram. We're on TikTok at Inside the Ravine. Josh, we're also now officially on YouTube. I'm posting our shows on YouTube because we've had people ask, are the shows on YouTube? Because I guess people like to watch shows on YouTube instead of listening 
you know, via Spotify or something like that. So we're on YouTube as well. If you want to watch our shows, you can find us there inside the ravine. Just search it on YouTube. And we're also wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Or you can go to the Odyssey app and you guys can listen to us because we are brought to you by Odyssey. But wherever you guys get your podcast, because I know some people still, Josh, they get their podcasts and other apps. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's totally fine. We're not going to podcast shame or podcast hate. But, hey, if you guys get your podcast somewhere that is an app not mentioned, we're not going to hate on you for that. So, Josh, before we head out for the week, any uh, parting words for the viewers? Uh, Looking forward to tuning into some baseball this week and uh, hoping that we don't have to relive uh, trauma from 2017, knowing that the Astros are probably not cheating this year. Well, we could certainly hope not. But again, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, I plugged all the socials. I plugged everywhere you can find us. Make sure to support us over there if you're on social media or if you want to subscribe or follow. That way you never miss an episode of Inside the Ravine. A lot of great episodes coming this offseason. Potentially one this upcoming week, later in the week, with a potential surprise guest. We'll have to figure that out, but that could be a fun episode, so make sure to stay tuned for that. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it, and enjoy the rest of your week, wherever you may be.